Welcome to the Drive Life Podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Drive Life Podcast. I'm joined today by an, an SUK member, Dale, um, and Matt, one of our SUK ambassadors. Um, so normally, in these things, in the beginning or at the end, we'd say uh, a quick mention of our sponsor, Car Calendar. Huh. Well, there's been a bit of a, <laughs> an update on, on, on that front and car calendars has. changing a little bit. So yeah. I'm going to throw it over to Mark straight away and we're going to talk hmm. a bit about our sponsor. Yeah, we started Car Calendar in 2019 as like a UK platform for finding car events and it's gone quite well so far. We're really happy with its progress in the UK market. We're now the biggest um, car events platform that people use, uh, you know, every single weekend, particularly throughout the uh, the peak season, spring and summer to find car events. So really happy with how that progressed. But a couple of years ago, we were lucky enough to get our hands on um, the name caravents.com, which was you know, in the back of our minds, sat in the wings waiting for when we were ready to launch an international offering of what car event, uh, car calendar is here in the UK. And uh, the way that things have progressed this year with car calendar and looking at how the market's evolving, now's the time to do that. Now, originally the plan was actually to run the two brands in parallel. So car calendar would be the UK's version of caravents.com. Caravents.com would be the international offering in USA, but primarily North America would be the first market and then um, everywhere else in, in Europe and any other country we could dare to launch it in. But um, we kind of threw, threw about the idea for quite some time of what is the best approach and we've settled on the fact that we want to put all of our efforts behind one central brand and try and make it, you know, the world's go-to platform for finding car events, buying tickets, finding car-friendly venues like the one we're in today. So that's what's happening. So car calendar is soon to be no more. It become a thing of the past as caravents.com evolves to take it, take its place as the brand. Um, I'm really excited about it. And one of the things that has kind of propelled or motivated, um, us, I guess, uh, bringing the timeline of that, um, further forward was we sent, uh, Josh, one of our media crew, um, and Matt sat here now. We sent them over to, uh, SEMA this year. Uh, looked like it was, uh, well, I already know that SEMA is a very, very big event, but, um, from what I kind of see socially it's clearly getting significantly bigger and bigger every year. And, and this is the, this is almost for me the first year that I, maybe it's just the algorithms real, like responding to my searches, but that I've been absolutely plastered with SEMA content. It looked like it was an incredible event and mm. you guys went over to go and scope it out for the next evolution of caravents.com. How was it? Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, as you, as you've said, it's, it's the largest car show, I think in the world now, and no, it's definitely advertised as the largest event in America, but hundreds of thousands of people there, hundreds of different builds there of different cars hundreds of different influences there. Um, and when you walk in across 4.6 million square feet of event space, four event halls each, probably two and a half times the size of the NEC. 
uh, yeah, I'm still suffering from the feet. <laughs> two know, hours like, of sleep, yeah, or three hours yeah, of sleep. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. That's, a, that's, that's another podcast. <laughs> the closest yeah, yeah, that there's ever been to that, I think, in Europe was probably Frankfurt. Probably. I mean, you used to have to ride around that on a bike. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's fair to say Seema's got an angle that few or no other car shows have. You know, you think like Geneva is where kind of manufacturers go to, to launch cars, or a lot of cars mm -hmm. certainly get launched at Geneva. Which is Pep two show stands. It's two um, yeah. event halls at yeah. Geneva on and then two you, levels. And you've got um, Pebble Beach, yeah. which is all about like ultra high end, like luxury stuff. Whereas Seema's kind of more mod uh, like modifications and mm. tuner cars, mm. show cars, mm. lots of uh, wild behaviour in cars yeah, and th yeah. things like that. Yeah, and that, that's very much the scene over there. And that's that's part and parcel of mm. why this is really exciting for CarEvents.com because the community over there is. It's huge, it's varied, it's probably far more varied than what we have over here in the UK. You know, yeah, you've got your exotics, you've got your normal street cars, but, you know, you've got your 1930s rat rods that are slammed on air. You've got, you know, your four by fours that are 14 feet high on amended chassis. You've got your exotics with your wild, wide body kits on them. But the range of that uh, is just incredible. But you still have the same challenges, which are people are wanting to go out to meets and find these events. People are wanting to do what they're doing in this country, which is sitting with the son on a Wednesday, or the daughter, on a Wednesday in the week, and, and say, so, well, what actually is going off at the weekend? Mm -hmm. um, and they can't find the events, and there's far more going off in the, in the American market than there are over here in the UK. They're using websites, using Facebook to try and advertise them. For the international mm -hmm. Supercar UK member, or anybody just, you know, traffic on what to do on a weekend, could you have an international setting on your... Uh, I guess, website search, so you could decide where you're going to fly in the world to go to a car event, or will it just be your local domain? Have you worked yes. that out yet? So we have, we're kind of, we're wearing two hats. So SCUK is the, so supercarrunner.co.uk, branded as SCUK, is the club that we run directly, and it's UK-based, and it's very much limited by our direct capacity to be able to run those events. Um, so... You know, we ran 60 last year, which was, it, we certainly could not handle any more than, than what we did. But <clears throat> carevents.com slash car, what, formerly car calendar is a platform for anyone and everyone, all organizers to publish their events that they're hosting and for them people to be able to find those events taking place. So essentially like SCUK, for example, would be one of many organizers on that platform advertising the events that they've got on. And it goes as far as, you know, private events versus shows that are very well uh, known, like Supercar Fest and Car Fest and all uh, Goodwood and everything in between. But to answer your point, uh, as we launch the site, you will have the ability to browse by country. Um, you will, the website will automatically detect what country you're in anyway when you load the site or the app. Um, and then it will remember your setting if you decide to change it. So it really is, you know, if you're feeling extravagant, you can hop on a plane to another country to go and attend a supercar event or it's any. Gonna, it's it's not Google for petrol heads. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that is really what we're what we're going for. It's um, yeah, that one stop shop to find what's happening both near you, but also anywhere in the world. And it's a massive challenge for us. We're really, um, you know, we're not underestimating how hard work it's going to be. I mean just not being in the country that we're launching it in alone is is a hard enough challenge because I think that um, looping back to SEMA, the people you met and the contacts that you developed from that visit alone was 
you know, far surpassed what we could achieve. Probably just mm. sat sat here, but mm. Mm. it's a huge challenge. A challenge I'm really looking mm. forward to. You know, we want to become the Airbnb, the Just Eat, the Pinterest. You know, we want to become that to the car events world, what they are to their industries. Um, it's going to take a lot of effort and money to get there, but we're we're doing going to do our best. Well, the the world now fits in your phone, and you see people mm-hmm. walk around Venice looking at their phone for God's sake, sir. Yeah. Um, the world is on your phone, so there's no reason yeah, why you can't do it. But, it. but it's important that we're not hidden, a hidden brand behind that. So, you know, it was important that we went out there and put a face to the brand and a face to mm-hmm. what we're trying to do. And as you've said, there's no better way to build those relationships with people than to actually meet them face to face. So we made some good connections out there. We, the good guys are, are well known out in that space as being a, a platform, a well-trusted brand for people. They, they list their own events and therefore people find their events that are on the street, the, the, the street car scene, the hot rod scene mm. all over the States. And we've made a connection now with good guys where they've already started to list their events on the platform as well. So once we've got that traction and trust from people out there that actually the platform is helping them to, to promote their events and it's easier for them to list their events, then, you know, we can start to... Well, one helps you know, the other, doesn't it? I mean, uh, SEMA, it was originally, uh, it was just a... Uh, sort of just a home market wasn't it actually probably that state you know <laughs> that, that it started in and uh you know you've got european manufacturers that actually support and have stands at SEMA now mm-hmm. you know who'd have, who'd have thunk that i mean you, you guys started all of this from what eight miles away from here yes you know and yep. you're talking about a a global brand mm-hmm. platform sure. and uh mm-hmm. i guess involvement on the uh, i guess the car scene so who'd yeah. have thought that yeah all from uh, your <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and like you say, um, you know, everyone does have a phone in their pocket and that's another uh, reason why Car Calendar will evolve into caravents.com because we simply don't want to manage two platforms side by side when they're the same thing. We want all of our effort. If all of our effort goes into the single platform, then we can really make it um, well, uh, uh, a powerful platform wherever you are in the world. Yeah. Well, a calendar, that's just a date, isn't it? Whereas an event, it's the whole package, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. We've got a lot more scope so to you, do you, you, a lot more with it. So mm. um, I'm looking forward to it. And yeah, it's was, exciting. It's exciting. Yeah. And, you know, and, and you mentioned there about the builds being out there in SEMA, and that is effectively now what SEMA is about. Yes, it's a trade mm. show, and yes, it's about building those aware, the, those partnerships with the brands. Fundamentally, that's what it is. It's about networking with, with, with the trade, in the trade. But... It's the builds that draw the people in and it's therefore the brands that associate themselves with the builds and it's the brands that associate themselves with those crazy designs that you see. You know, we've, we've seen Tavares's P1 and the, the journey he's been on with a flooded P1 that's been purchased that was drifting down a, a Florida street in the middle of a hurricane and he's, he's turned that into what is now mm-hmm. essentially an associated brand with, a, I think it's Valvoline, isn't it? You know, yeah. so, mm-hmm. you know, he's in the process of creating a real wild build with that. You know, there was a Series 3 Jaguar out there that's got a 2JZ swapped engine in it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, got Alex Choi 720S that's just a wild build in itself, you know. So <laughs> it's about the brands associating themselves with the builds as well. So, you know, as well in terms of what we can do and supporting that, supporting the brands and building networks with the brands brings us front and center to some of those builds as well so it's so a calendar slash car events to one side what was your favorite thing from SEMA? what was your favorite build or uh stand or thing yeah. that you saw that you can talk about on the podcast yeah being vegas you know uh, absolutely yeah, yeah yeah well vegas aside in terms of what builds were out there in vegas um miltex stand was actually quite interesting because Miltech are just launching out there in the US as well, believe it or not. Right. Um, 
and they'd got uh, some new new stuff on on their stand. But I think in terms of what I saw out there, I think um, it, it was uh, a, a, there was a mother a mother of all builds out there where they were doing a competition for different builds. Um, and you might have seen an RS Cosworth that's doing the rounds that was out there that had been um, lovingly restored into a complete monster. Don't Miltech, um, don't they build the engines for those kind of things? Or well, Miltech are now more... Escorts or something, was it? Yeah, I, from what they were pushing, Miltech yeah. was more around the aftermarket mods in terms of what they were mm -hmm. they were positioning themselves out there on the brand. Uh, I think they do, by, by yeah. all them. But, but yeah, there was, a, there was an RS Cosworth out there that was uh, I mean, that's as a part of this competition. Yeah, yeah, and and you just don't see them in the states. You yeah. know, you associate the states with kind of your JDM market or your your American muscle, and to see a British mark out there that was doing so well, and I think it came third or fourth in the the mother of bills for for SEMA. So that was, I think, that was my favourite spot. But as I say, that the the so varied. I think there wasn't one thing that particular I could favour over the other. You know, when you're looking at a you know, there were lots of 240Zs out there that uh, uh, are on wide Zs. body. Yeah, you know, the Z market out there. <laughs> they ruined you. Yeah, sorry, 240Zs. Sorry, but, you know. Um, and then the, the rat rods, like I said, where they're slammed yeah. and they've got, you know, an, uh, a Chevy engine sticking out the front. I saw a Civic the other day with a, a rat rod wrap on it. Try saying that five times fast. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you don't expect that, do you? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, it was yeah, a new just... Civic as well, not, oh, really? not like an 80s yeah, one. Oh, really, yeah. So, so really, yeah, just, really, it might turn up here one day. You never know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just a completely different and wild scene to what we've got in the UK, which yeah. is what I loved. You know, it was just so different. Mm -hmm. You know, it was um, the car scene's vibrant here. Don't get me wrong. There's lots of different variety, but when you get over there, yeah, it's just incredible. Something to surprise you at every turn, really. Well, there kind yeah. of is a, a almost like a European car scene out there. There's all the rice races and all that kind of stuff, and all the you know your rat rods as as, as you mentioned, but um. You know, people like uh, Ken Block, uh, bless him, he, uh, he did quite a lot to raise the profile of, I guess, Cosworth um, yeah, and Escorts yeah, and Sapphire yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. He, he had an, well, he had an RS200 and an Escort Cosworth, you know, yeah, you know, works cars that, yeah. are, you know, I don't think anybody knew what they were in the States until yeah. they saw him ragging around in them on, on some event or other. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's yeah. good to get, go yeah. up and see the Hoonicorn as well, because the Hoonicorn was out oh, there I think as well. Like, so, yeah, it was... It was yeah. fabulous. Very to see cool that. bit of kit, that. Yeah, yeah. Very yeah cool. his um, daughter's driving that now. I think yeah. various things, didn't she? Yeah, yeah. she was there. Quite a handy well. peddler. I mean, even mm. in the Hoonicorn Arena, you know, mm. that it was just a crazy atmosphere out there. They'd got over mm. the two days. They'd got kind of burnouts and donuts in the arena, and then the the, the second day we were there, so it was third, SEMA third day. They were actually just getting old Chevy engine, old big V8 block Buicks in there into different cars, and they were just running them until they blew up. <laughs> you know, to the point where they were exploding or they were on fire, and everyone's just going crazy over well, there. It's rude not to. Rude not to. I mean, <laughs> we'd have a health and safety nightmare if we ran that over here, but over there they were loving it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Just, just a fascinating environment, fascinating, and, and just a great atmosphere and vibe mm. to be out there. So, but you're and, in a place where they make V8 chainsaws, for God's sake. Yeah, exactly. So, exactly yeah, <laughs> yeah. everything V8. Them, All right. but, you know, you know. But um, yeah, I mean, just wandering around, the the brand was gaining a lot of attention, gaining a lot of you know, interest in terms of, you know, what are you guys doing? And just speaking to a lot of people, they they could see that there was something that we'd got in terms of what we're building that they don't currently have. Yeah. Um, and that that really started to get switched switched on in terms of what we could offer and what we could bring. So we're uh, excited to see what the next next few years hold with it really. Yeah. So um so yeah, Definitely. but I mean the builds were the builds were there to be seen really, which uh 
you know, was was a, a fun and exciting part of the journey, really. And the nearest thing we've got to that, I guess, here is probably, you know, like your Goodwoods and things like that. Yeah. Mm. Really. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah, awesome. Sounds like you had a really good time. It was. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was brilliant. So, did, did you notice at the end of the strip that there still is, I believe, a there is a drive-through wedding chapel that's next to a drive-through gun and ammunition store? So you can really? literally so you at the end of the Vegas strip, divorced, you can do a yeah. shotgun wedding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought you, made, I thought <laughs> you, you can buy got, both. Yeah. Thought you may got married. I think Josh, in the Josh proposed it many yeah. times, didn't he? But he, he, he did. Yeah. yeah, but I went to the shotgun shop instead. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know whether you and Josh's uh, relationship has taken it to the next level or not. Uh, that's for me and Josh to know and uh, you to find out. Yeah, give it another year. Seems funny for yeah. <laughs> uh, the first podcast wedding. Anyway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, so one interesting thing about this, doing this podcast, one of the, one of the uh, reasons for starting it was, was, was getting car stories out like, of, our, of our members um, by hook or by crook, you know, sort of juicing the... <laughs> Producing the member base from SCUK for for sort of content and um, and we kind of um, not a hundred percent fulfilled on on that sort of initial initial promise and that's kind of why Dale's here today. He's a he's a, a member of of the club uh, and he has a connection to to what we're talking about in in SEMA. So um, we've we've got a lot of interesting members and. Um, the stories that those those members bring and 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 so on are re- really interesting. And we talked about uh, one of the very early podcasts before we were we were doing any video with with Matt, who's um, a, a member and become an ambassador and so on. He's had quite an illustrious car history, um, hmm. a lot of cars. Well, I thought it was a lot of cars. I um, thought I was up there with uh, some of the the, the largest collections that anyone's ever had by my age and and then and, and then, then I met Dale. And when we met Dale. Yeah. And so um yeah, where whereas uh, Matt's in the forties, um we've got a gentleman here and he's well over a hundred, hundred and twenty, something like that. No, so, I've, um, I'm, I'm in 107 today, 107. 109 in total, I think is my that's my at the moment. That's I mean that's that I'll say on air I do yeah, have yeah. plans, but <laughs> I think I think the missus would uh would would literally uh, Drop me into next week. <laughs> yeah. the, the, the connection to she, she ever did listen to the <laughs> but, uh, yeah 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 and actually as well um, we when we when we met we found out that um, there's a project that I'm doing at the moment because I, I work in the auto industry and uh, as, as 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 you do as well but I, um, there's a project I'm doing at the moment which is with a company that you used to work for so uh, JRM yeah yeah, yeah so uh, right. we're yeah. doing the uh, sign off edition of the R35. Uh, GTR, which is the uh, JRM RR23. So obviously, yeah. 23 cars made celebrate 23 years in production. Yeah. The irony is on that car, uh, when I was at the Royal College of Art, I worked on uh, with Yosuke Yamamoto at um, the Nissan, um, I guess, uh, Skunk Works studio that was in the Cotswold. We worked on the uh, the Skyline GTR concept vehicle. And then obviously that went to production to be the uh, the R35 GTR. And now I'm working on the sign-off vehicle, which I'm sure at some point you've worked on as well. Yeah, fantastic. So our worlds have kind of combined. So it's... I was going to say the connection to SEMA yeah. is that, you know, you've designed a few cars that are now the basis for a lot of the mods that oh, we see yeah, yeah. at SEMA. So for those listening, <laughs> Dale's a, a yeah. sort of a prolific career in, in car design and working with some of the yeah. names that you'll absolutely recognise, like mm. Frank Stephenson. Yeah, well, and, I used to work, and, and yeah, I used to yeah. work for, for Frank. Uh, I've had sort of started my production career working with Frank on the uh, R50 Mini. 
so the the first BMW Mini, uh, great guy, and uh, nearly ended up working with him on his uh, McLaren journey as well. Uh, still talk to him every now and then on on Facebook, but uh, yeah, he's he's busy off uh, um, doing his thing around the world. He's, yeah. he's doing all right on that. But um, yeah. yeah, so so hundred and nine cars, hundred and seven. Um, why? Is it is it itchy feet, or do you just want to? I don't normally. Lot, I don't normally end up having anything. Uh, usually for that long a, amount of time, I haven't got anything that uh, that I have that's you know like years and years old or whatever. But because um, I use them, so I I you know, I drive uh, a seven twenty S as a as a daily drive, and you know I use the thing, so um, I I try and wear them out, mm. or uh, hopefully they they retain their interest <laughs> yeah. to allow me enough time to to wear to wear them out, but um. Uh, so, for example, uh, one of the cars that I've I've got, uh, which um, uh, back to uh, Ken Block, um, I've got a Can-Am Maverick um, XTRS, which you know obviously where I live on on the moors and everything, there's there's all kinds of green lane roads and everything there. But um, um, I was friends with uh, Ken Block on on, on Facebook, and um, he always said that that was his favourite car. And we talked about some of the cars he had, but his favourite car was the. Uh, was the was was the Mav? So I, oh. so I, I, well, I, I had to have one. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. and um, I think it spent most of the time in the garage because it is without doubt the loudest thing <laughs> that I think I've ever encountered. Uh, there's only motorbikes that could be louder than right. that. It's, uh, yeah. uh, what yeah. engines in that then? It's a three-cylinder Rotex air, aircraft engine, but I, I had a load of work done on it at uh, Ken Block's recommendation. So I had the titanium straight through exhaust so it's basically a set of manifold straight out out the back and you know the turbo and everything's wound right up and i think it's supposed to have something like 190 horsepower um a standard and i'm well over 300 on it is that is that where we need to update the qualifying car list mark <laughs> yeah we, do. we have to add yeah. that on won't we yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. one on there so yeah. so I'm, I'm interested in in how you get to daily driver 720s but but the the car journey to get there so what was your first First car, the first was yours. car, the first car I ever had um, was uh, um, thanks to my my dad. I had a, a, a Volvo three sixty GLT. Yes, I know what you're thinking. It was a pre cat, okay, so it was yeah. not completely useless. <laughs> okay. And um, my my dad very very kindly, who's actually lurking around somewhere. My dad very kindly supported me in my efforts to try and roll it across North Yorkshire. So he, um, my dad having a, a garage business kept repairing the thing for me as I kept trying to break it. Um, the first car I ever bought myself was a uh, Lotus Elise. Um, so I bought a 99T uh, that was uh, in yeah titanium, uh, I think with blue recent, roof, blue leather interior. Voted the best sports car for the last 25 years. Well, I'm not a pissed on it. <laughs> well, I, I've I've had a Lotus for every year it's been around, so I've had 25. Lotuses in my life and four VX220s and I worked actually at Lotus uh, on on the on the Elise so uh, um, yeah there's yeah I, I fit in the car yeah, yeah and I think exactly. I still am officially the uh, I think the, the biggest person at what what my 21 stones uh, healthy 6667 but I used to use uh, Lotuses uh, Lotus Elises and Exiges as uh, uh, daily whips and um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when, uh, at one point, I think I was averaging, oh god, four a year or something. <laughs> I used to used to work my way through them. My dad, um, 
I think for a, I don't know probably the best part of a decade. I don't think he ever saw me come come back home to visit in the in the same Lotus each time. I mean, and the leases are fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, right up there is one of the best yeah. first cars to to buy yourself. But they went through a valley, didn't they, where they were worth very little. Uh, I think the the repairability, you know, because it's the the a knock on either end and it's a whole clam replacement. That that sort of really put a lot of people off. Yeah. buying them and you could get one for i don't know well under 10 grand for for a while couldn't you the the s1 um sort of well, i did a i then... did an apprenticeship in in the when i was working at lotus i i worked in the in you know as a volunteer i actually did this because i wanted to learn it i worked in the tool room at um, lotus and uh the first job you, that you you do in there is you you lay up a, a hard top for an s1 at least which is the easiest part on the car to do but uh, when you're really really good you get to do a, um, a rear clam. So I, I have actually laid up by hand all the parts for an S1 Elise, and they and the guys that were doing those were amazing at doing it, how they how they ever made enough parts in the time that they did to to do yeah. the cars there. But uh, really difficult. Obviously, on the S2 and S3 onwards, the 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 Vary system um, in place there is a, a, a lot simpler. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when I when I had the S3 X Siege, it was a 26 hour job to do a clutch. Apparently, wow. Well, they don't make cars to be maintained anymore. But I mean, you saw about that building stuff by hand and those mm. those things. I mean, um, someone I used to work with, their partner's father was a panel beater for Bentley and Crew. All oh, right, okay. and the 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 unbelievable precision. You know, this this guy had like a hundred hammers, just with all different shapes and things, and just a little <laughs> precision to just oh, you've yeah. got a little dent in there, tap. Oh, now it's gone. You know, you can't completely invisible. It's an absolute, you know, lost art. And mm. Uh, mm. Uh, there's a YouTube video flown flown around. I seem to give a YouTube video recommendation in every podcast. So here's the, this one. Uh, there's there's YouTube footage out there of people hand brazing radiators for Rolls Royce uh, motor cars, and and uh, you know, because the front grill and the radiator is one part on a lot mm. of the early mm. um, Rolls Royces, and they, they were made by hand, and they're just being you know, hand brazed together. Which is just yeah. unbelievable. You we've think got, how fiddly um, that must be. In in the family Grewer car collection, we've uh, we've got a, a few old old Bentleys in there, and um, you know, with a keen eye, um, you can actually spot that they're actually different from side to side. So mm-hmm. uh, we've got a we've got a I think it's a ninety eight or ninety seven um, Brooklyn's LBT, and the the top of the CD pillar. Is noticeably different on one side to the other, and it's kind of like they can you can actually see it. They're like they've actually forgotten to put the radius in the metalwork right. on on the one bit. Because it's Friday that, afternoon, that's maybe. quite appalling, really. That's quite bad. But there's something sort of quite nostalgic about yeah. the fact that you yeah. know you can you, you know you can find that fault yeah. in it. Mm. I mean, yeah. you know, there isn't a car out in the car park here today that you could you could find a difference from one side to the other. No. Because obviously everything's kind of a it's sure. computer maintained. Mustang will give Mustang. you the Mustang. Oh, yeah, well, they... Mustang, the Mustang being the exception, of course. Yeah, yeah, certainly my last yeah. one. <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's parked at the moment. I think it's already spun twice, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, crowds beware. <laughs> yeah. So, so Elise's, you had a lot of Elise's. What, what else? What have um, you, had, you know, what's been a highlight? Oh God, I've let me think. I've had a. I think Lotus derives stuff probably the most I've ever had. I mean. Um, I lived a lot of my life um, uh, basically waiting to find something better. So, and I'd still say to this day that, as near as damn it, the the best driver's car that you can get, you know, there are a lot of versions of the Elise and the Exige and everything, but you, when you find the right one for you, you'll struggle to beat it. But that's why, um, 
you know, the, the 720 was done by the ex-Lotus team at McLaren, and it feels more like a Lotus than than uh, than any of the stuff I've driven recently from those guys. Um, so, yeah, I had uh, 25 um, uh, Lotus Elise Exige variants for VX220s, so I don't know whether you classed them or not. I was the fact when we worked there, um, the, the, the project code for the S2 Elise was Monza, but the project code for the VX220 was Skipton. <laughs> so uh, it was <laughs> sort of said that it was a slightly right, loaded deck. I'm right in saying you were involved in the design of the VX220, um, and on the concept, um, so the, the, at a similar time, I also did um, the car to celebrate 100 years of Vauxhall, which is the VS, VX Lightning concept. Mm. Um, so I don't know whether you know this or not, but um, Vauxhall actually invented the sports car. Um, yeah. <laughs> Pick your jaw up now. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I managed to do, uh, um, yeah, do a car to celebrate 100 years of Vauxhall. And at the time when we asked for a budget to do a car to celebrate, this is within when I worked at, at GM, when we asked for a budget to do a, um, a car to celebrate, a centenary, obviously, um, when we first asked for it, you know, because it had been Vauxhall, um, I think the people in the board at GM went, Vauxhall? <laughs> no, no one knew what it was. And they said, well, it's kind, of, it's kind of opal. It's the opal that has the chicken on the bonnet instead of the... <laughs> and, oh, yeah, right. Um, right, you can have 780 grand. <laughs> okay, so that's, uh, that's what we that's what we had, and we, we we did that. And I think to this day, I think it might still be the fastest um, turnaround on a concept car project. So we we were nine weeks and two days from um, conversation for budget and what we're going to do to mm -hmm. driving a car onto a show stand. And well, if anyone's beaten that, I don't know whether I've I've not heard about it, but nine weeks and two days is pretty quick to build a car from mm -hmm. nothing. Um, so yeah, so. I See, I'm only 25, but I, I look this <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> that, was, that was my hard paper round. I uh, just wanted to ask, so a lot of, um, a lot of us will have watched, um, he was appeared on Harry's Garage, you know, think Frank Stephenson's got his own YouTube channel, yeah. and, and, you know, how he, how he drew the biomimicry stuff for the 720S and, and things like that, you know. Yeah. And, and um, you get the impression from watching those videos that it's one man, that it's Frank Stephenson and he designs the car. And, you know, he talked about how his yeah. design process for the R50 Mini and so on. But then anybody who knows, you know, even scratching the surface of car design, well, I know there's teams of people who work on them. So how does that work in practice? It depends. It's where you, where do you, where do you draw the line? I mean, do you, do you start including power companies for spying the electricity for the lights while you're working on? But, um, um, for example, with Frank on, on the Mini, I mean, it, it was pretty much, you know, it really was the, you know, the Frank, Stephenson show on that. The interior was done predominantly by a, a chap called Tony Hunter, very, very talented designer, does a lot of uh, specials. You should probably get him on one of these things. He did the most beautiful one-off Bentley, which he just did completely off his own back the other day. So if you, if you look him mm -hmm. up, he's quite an interesting guy to talk to. Um, Frank, uh, when I started working for Frank, he pretty much had all the concepts sort of there and there about. There were variants and there was design for manufacture to do. Um, stories that you, I heard... Um, if you look on a R50 Coupe S, and if you look at the exhausts on 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 the back, look at the exhaust. But then, if you've got a Coke can to hand, if you if you hold a Coke can next to them, dimensionally and surface-wise, the exhausts on a Coupe S are literally a Coca-Cola can. He talks because about that. when we mocked the car up for a review in a clay model, die knocked up and everything, and we we mocked up various bits. We literally did um, with um, with some tape stick two Coke cans together, rattle can it, and cut out 
with some black masking tape, literally to fill in the, the dish bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, so it really was coke can exhaust on, on that thing. Yeah, I think he talked about that on it. Yeah, yeah. On a, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, true, yeah. It's like when you're modding your cars and you've got a Halfords <laughs> and you want a couple of new cans for your Halfords, where it comes from, yeah. No, not quite <laughs> like, but yeah, um, he, he, he was, uh, yeah, it was, it was one, of, one of the best bosses you could ever wish for. Completely, completely yeah, mad as a box of frogs and brilliant with it, but uh, yeah, yeah, great guy to, uh, to work with. I mean... <laughs> Things like people like Chris Bangle get a lot of yeah. stick, you know, for BMW designs of the early 2000s. But then the 5 Series, the E65 Series, yeah. was, was a Bangle design, but Bangle did none of the design for it. So the well, story there... So, right, so this is where the, the, the question gets answered. So sometimes you need a, you need a, a director, you need somebody that, that's um, talking to the grown-up saying, look, what you really, really need is it to be this, this, and this. Now, uh, Chris Bangle probably is one of the best uh design directors from a sales point of view that you could ever wish for. I mean, he really could sell sand to the Arabs. I mean, a Chris Bangle presentation, you do not want to have to follow him um in 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 that environment. He's uh he's quite a he's quite quite gifted in that respect. Um like uh Julian Thompson, I mean uh you know amazing uh presenter if like you know he he can give people like that a good idea. Mm. But by the time they've presented it, it's like the best idea ever. I mean it really is sliced bread afterwards. Um, so, you know, these guys are great, but you know, you need, if, if you've got, I don't know, an average car's got between 10 and 15,000 parts on it. Um, a good majority of those are visible. So if you see it, someone's got to say it. Okay. So you need, um, you need, you know, quite a, there's quite a lot of work you got to get through to, um, to, to represent because you say, oh, well, that, that, you know, there's a guy on a computer that's making the surfaces for that, but, uh, you need something to work off of. So somebody needs to have an idea. There needs to be a spec. There's, there's many different, you know, attributes and, and aspects uh, to it. So, but there's usually somebody that kind of rises to the, the forefront that um, either, you know, defined the majority of the, I guess, the, the you know, the visual direction for it. And, yeah. you know, the, you know, someone's got to claim responsibility for, for some things, but yeah. there's always a, there's always a, a great team behind a, mm -hmm a great person if you like doing this mm -hmm. stuff so the story i'm i'm pretty sure it's the 60 but i'll be corrected in the comments i'm pretty sure the story is that there was there was a portuguese guy who was part of the like a an intern or something like that and he designed the e60 that we see out on the roads today but he died and and no one wanted to change his design at all so it was more or less exactly as he um conceived it and it, but it had the it was bangalized where it became the Chris Bangle design five series, but it wasn't actually designed at all. It was this uh, Portuguese intern. I, I might be doing him a disservice here, but I, it was something like that. There's some, some, some story where they mm -hmm. basically, it, they, they thought it was sufficiently realized as a concept and they didn't feel like they wanted to mess with it. And they wanted to honor this guy as a part of the team or whatever to go off and, mm. uh, and put it in production. So uh, mm, yeah. how true that is, I'm not sure, but that's, I, I mean, I got to be honest, I don't know yeah. on, on, on that. Did, but, you, uh, did you see a lot of change in design process then in terms of how people designed cars when you started to how they designed cars when you finished? Obviously it was a lot more drawing, a lot more clay, a lot, but it, well, uh, I don't, when I, so but let's we, we we talked about r50 mini so um back in those days uh photoshop didn't actually exist um mm. i don't think actually back then so everything was everything was hand drawn um yes there was a cad um that that you know parts would be translated into but um everything was done as a mock-up either in the patent shop 
or it was done um, as a clay model. Um, so you you would you would work with a with a with a team, and you would have to you know you need something to point at and go, we want it like that. So you, mm. however it came about, you would you would uh, you would try and do it. But it was very much a an organic process to actually achieve um, that stuff, which is why. Um, so if you look um, on an R, an R50 Mini, it's quite there's quite there's quite a lot of complicated sculpture going on in in areas that you would not normally credit for having that much going on in it. But um, everything's I mean, there's, on the on the bottom of the door as you get into the the lower part of the wheel arch. There's quite a complicated actual little little Z that actually happens either side of the the door in it, which no one would ever notice. But the next time you see one in a car park, actually look, it's got that in there. Now, you know. It's very much a, a, a Frank thing. He, he would literally, he would, he would just zoom in, in and keep going in and in. It'd be pixels before there was pixels, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, you know, he'd really kind of focus in on on, on that stuff. But it, you know, it was all created, and it was sculpted. Um, so I'm trying to remember the clay models and that. There was um, uh, there was uh, Mark and Kay, and um, I can't remember the names of it. There was, there was four people uh, primarily working on that car, but all the aspects of it were done. Where possible in clay, and then there was a, a few bits that were uh, done in the uh, in in the, in in the pattern shops. So it would be either a Ural, which is like an M grade sort of dense high density foam. So that was quite a new thing back then. Um, very little things machined because stuff wasn't led from data. Things became data before it went into production. So you, you take that, which is you know sort of you know ninety six through to ninety eight sort of you know time. And then you look at um, stuff that I've done recently. I mean, I, when I do cars now, I don't even. I the first thing I do is I save two million pounds on any program I do. I, I get rid of clay models, um, and I feel bad because some of the greatest people that I've worked with in, in my life have been clay modelers. But you know, when it's you know when it's out of budget or you've got to turn it around really really quickly, mm-hmm. you know, and if you know because I've been doing this for so long, I ca- I can now calibrate between what you see on the screen. And then what you press play for manufacture with uh, that, that comes out the other end. So, you know, I spend my time, no matter what I do now, staring at a screen. It might be a nice screen. It might be a 100-inch power wall or something like that. Or it might be a nice IMAX screen. But it, it, I'm looking at pixels. Whereas I used to, it used to be that, you know, it used to be that when you saw something that's like really, really beautifully, you go, oh, God, isn't that, yeah, isn't that nice? Yeah. And you, you touch that. You, you, that's that's the, probably the, the biggest thing that you kind of miss now. You don't, you don't get to touch yeah. stuff that you worked on sometimes before it's actually a part on a bench um and the prove out model phase you know these these things are kind of getting sometimes um eliminated from the process which is kind of shame but there's there's a bunch of i guess people with similar experience you know to me or whatever that have, have now become you know confident and competent enough to you know go straight from the telly into uh into manufacture but um you know it's i feel bad for the the next generation coming through that I don't think it's quite as um, you know tactile or you know sort of um, artistic somehow the the process that you go through to to get this stuff which you'll see if you look at a lot of the designs that are around the moment like your cyber truck and you know mm. I'd wager that there wasn't um, a clay model for a cyber truck and it was very much a, a digital <laughs> thing not knocking it whatever I mean it's, mm-hmm. it's hard, great to uh, cut a box to do yeah. you know <laughs> you know sometimes to be that that brutal and um, I guess anti-design actually requires a hell of a lot of design. I mean, uh, uh, Jerry McGovern and the, the, the you know the the, the the Land Rover team there, um, minimalism. So Range Rover interiors, very minimalistic. It's one of the hardest things to do. If you look at the actual exterior on the new 
L460 Range Rover, you know, very, very clean, very minimalistic. I mean, uh, you know, Massimo Friscella and his, his team now, it, the hardest thing you'll ever do is minimalism. Mm. To do that beautiful New York loft with only five signature pieces in it and, you know, structure, you know, laid bare and everything. It, it doesn't just happen. Mm, it, yeah. it, take, <laughs> it takes a great deal of restraint. Although in the new Range Rover for 2024 on, there's no buttons inside anymore. They've moved, they used to, the, the, the launch mm. version of the car had physical AC controls. The, uh, the um, drive mode selector was well, everything's all, blade now, so it's digital touchscreen. Yeah, screen, you know? but they've, they, it was a physical, you know, radial oh, button. Oh, the, the, the print turn. Button. Yeah, yeah, that's gone. Yeah, in yeah. twenty twenty four, it's just wood and a start button. Yeah. Where, where, you know, I miss and, some of that. Yeah, I, miss. I, I hate mm -hmm. it. I, I don't mm -hmm. want to go into a touchscreen to adjust the temperature in the car. Yeah. That's the, I want buttons. You know, Porsche Taycan versus yeah. RSE Tron GT. Yeah. Give me the RSE Tron GT. Not in no small part due to the physical AC controls. Well, I don't want to have to use a touchscreen to adjust things. Try altering the ventilation on a on a on a McLaren on Yorkshire roads. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that, screen, I mean, yeah. yeah. Right, try pressing continue on Google Maps on Yorkshire roads. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I really. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm seeing it's the same. You know, yeah. the, the buttons are gone. I mean, it's annoying. It's really, mm. really seriously annoying. But it's it's fine arguably fine in a car that you don't drive all that often. I know you daily drive your 720S, but probably you're in a 0.1% of the ownership group who, who put anything like that sort of miles on a, on a car. And, you know, if you're getting into just a hoonit on a Sunday, you know, air, con air conditioning buttons are a lot lower down the priority list. They can be sacrificed in the name of design. But if you're using something every day, like a rain Range Rover is something that these days is now something yeah. that kids, you take the kids to school in or whatever. That those things are, you know, it's it's an everyday tool to be used. It should be all about efficiency for the driver, and burying things in touchscreens is the opposite of that. Right. For me. Well, you could argue. I don't know, I'm going into a, a Dennis thing because uh, I, I, you know, I'm kind of with you, but um, actually, you've got voice control. So um, if you're happy to move into that technology, you don't you don't really have to do the buttons like yeah. like he like he used to. So uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's come a long way actually because Linguatronic in mm. I, I had a Mercedes with Linguatronic and it was okay. dreadful. Did you ever manage to call anybody you wanted? <laughs> it to? never worked. Did I never managed to do anything at all with it ever? Yeah. Um, whereas now, you know, um, I saw a, a, a reel on Instagram of someone taking a selfie in their BMW um, by asking the car to take a selfie, and it's got an internal camera. These are the problems a, we need to solve in life. Yeah, yeah. They are it's, how it's can like, I take hey, a selfie while driving? BMW, whatever the trigger thing is, <laughs> um, take a selfie, and it says okay, and then it counts down three, two, one, and takes a photo of you in the driver's seat, right? And I believe it's seamless because you got Siri and all the rest mm. of the, these things. That, you know, Amazon have obviously taken Alexa and all these things, and so yeah, voice control is now viable. So maybe that is the answer. Mm. But um, I think in the medium term, some of it might go a bit full circle. I mean, I've got. As the daily car, we've got a uh, Tiguan and the 2021 model, they moved all of the buttons to, they are kind of buttons, but they're all touch. And it's really confusing because you don't get any, like, like the AC is a slide, but you don't get any tactile feedback as to whether you've actually done it. So you actually find yourself doing it, then looking down, taking your eyes off the road. Did that actually work? And depending I think on what you've had for lunch depends on how you can yeah, actually yeah, yeah, move yeah, that yeah, thing or not. Yeah. Uh, there are some days, I don't know whether you guys find it, so some days I, it's like my body forgets to generate electricity in its fingers. And even on my phone, my iPhone, it's like, 
it's not just working. Just, yeah. <laughs> Damn these mitts. <laughs> the, the Mark 8 Golf, um, I, I know plenty of people who absolutely love the Mark 7.5 Golf. We've got a 7.5 mm. Golf. It's great. Mark 8 Golf, awful. Yeah, well, it's the same interior that's in the Tiguan yeah. and in the majority of VW's current range. Mm -hmm. But I do believe that they are going back to buttons right. for the next Ferrari uh, model. With the Roma, is the mm -hmm. same. Mm -hmm. Awful. The, those buttons are just dreadful. In the, I saw the a Chevy, uh, a Chevrolet uh, Corvette, one of the new ones at JPC. The JPC event were on recently, and that had got a thin strip of buttons all the way down the centre console. Yeah, it must have only been an inch square. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine when you're driving, taking your hand off the, the steering wheel to try and press try the, right the right button. It's Remember, like but... having a pet Stegosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, but things, Porsche Panamera is the exact opposite, isn't it? I mean, you know, the, the, gen, the first generation Panamera, I mean, that was an absolute button fest. That entire, you know, A4 piece of paper size. It was like a Blackberry, wasn't it? Was, yeah, it was, yeah. It was like a yeah. keyboard. You know, you yeah. just, just type, type yeah. on it so many buttons. Yeah. But I mean, I think that that's too many buttons you know that then you're like it's like flying a 747 you know you're just festooned with buttons everywhere and you got to then go through a procedure to remember but there's some things that you frequently access that i think should be should be buttons and and binning them off in the name but i think it's probably cheaper to make isn't it it's easier to design cheaper to make mm. oh, everything on the screen health and safety and buttons i've, I've got a, a gr4 which the motoring press they rave about but i can't stand the bloody thing Takes you about twenty minutes to turn everything off on that car before you go. There's, there's a little GR badge on the steering wheel. You should be able to press that, and it turns everything just to how it should be. A bit like when, when BMW went through all that grief, and then they put the M button in, yeah. and when you press that, it was like, right, okay, now yeah. that's the car I want. Yeah. But now my GR, that lane assisting. I mean, I feel like, um, oh God, I feel like a, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know, with the, the, the it'd be easier to make the Earth spin the opposite way around than than turn lane assist off no matter what you do you seem to always want to come back on again that's a yeah. common complaint actually i hear that from a lot of people not just with oh, the, the yaris yeah. but but yeah. loads of cars the, the lane assist is really problematic yeah um, it's the same on the tiguan but the tiguan goes one step further so tiguan's got well at least my model 2021 one has got adaptive cruise control but it's also it bases it on um gps as well but the problem is that it's seriously flawed because it doesn't know how to uh, negotiate bends on motorways. So if I go on my local dual carriageway and approach a bend, it wants to, it will take me down to 20 miles an hour because it thinks that's how fast the car could take that bend. If I went down to 20 miles an hour on that, on that road, oh, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe, yeah, this is an inappropriate speed. No, but, but like, <laughs> if I trusted that tech, then I would likely die on that piece of road as somebody plowed into the back of me. Because everybody else is doing 70 yeah, on as, that bend, as at, as least. Ought to be. at least. So there's a lot to be said for all these assistance things. I mean, a lot of them, are, I'm sure, keep us on the road at times where we probably would come off the road if we were, yeah. if they weren't there. So, but it's a fine balance, isn't it? Yeah. Looking for your next car event, club, or venue? Find it with caravents.com. Discover thousands of upcoming events, car clubs, and car venues on the world's biggest car events platform. Search by location and radius, favorite your events, buy event tickets with ease, and follow your favorite clubs and venues to be the first to hear about their upcoming events. For event organizers, you can list events, clubs, and venues free of charge, sell tickets directly in the app, and track the performance of your event. Available online and in your app store. Just search car events. 
are there cars that you've designed where you thought, I wish I'd pushed a bit harder for them to be slightly different? Like where you've, you know, I, I don't know whether that's... <laughs> well, the, the time, the time about. it takes for you to actually do that mission and you've always got, there's always sort of time, you know, sort of against money and, mm -hmm. and quality and all that kind of stuff that you've got to kind of balance out. Um, you know, so you're, you're always, <clears throat> by the time you guys park out there in, in whatever's been done, you've, you've already been compromised a million times right. before you've, you've ever got to that. And usually it's, it's, it's budget first, mm. but, um, you know, you know, quality, you know, if you can't, if you can't do it right from the off, the, you, it doesn't get done. But, um, you, so you've got to, when you, you know, when you're trying to get something out there into the marketplace, you've got to, you've got to shout pretty loud from the first off, you, you know, you've got to practice safe design, user concept and all that kind of stuff. You've got to, you know, you got, you got to have, you know, my, my, uh, old boss at, at GM, um, you know, had, uh, you know, fantastic way of looking at it. He said, um, you know, you know, it, it needs, it, you know, it, it needs something, a hook, if you like, that, that sort of says, you know, when people say, oh, did you see that car? The one that had that on it. Yeah. You, you always need something like that. So yeah, uh, Simon Cox was always, uh, you know, fantastic at, you know, identifying the, the, just the pure nature of, of, of what something should be, you know, in the market. And it, it'd always be there for a, for a reason and it's this or you know you just always had something about it and that's just something i've always remembered to this day and it, it makes you want to if you've got that you know really really shout about it because if you're not shouting to start with it's a whisper by the time it hits the road mm -hmm. so you mm -hmm. know look, look mm -hmm. at how much things get watered down just from the concept cars that you see but bear in mind how many concepts have been watered down before they become the concept that you see right. that then becomes the the production car that you get mm -hmm. so um i think anybody that's um seen a like a for example a lotus m250 concept vehicle in a show stand and then bought an evora you know it, it's quite a it's quite a dilution process from from m250 down to yeah. uh down to evora you know which it sometimes it can be a, a burden that that no one no one sort of deserves to have to carry you know well, <laughs> as, as a car sometimes you know I'm thinking BMW i8 and Porsche Mission E concept. They make it to the road. Yeah, I mean, practically I unchanged. You yeah, know? I mean, we've we've had a, a couple of uh, Taycans, uh, cross Turismos, and stuff, and uh, yeah, they were yeah, they were, they were, yeah. Oh, they were pretty good. C500 from Lexus. That was very close to the concept. Yeah, yeah, and you you did nice things on that. Yeah. You showed me last yeah. time. I saw, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I mean, so, some some you know worked their way through. You know, you know like like pre pretty good on on that but then there's other things that are just like yeah, why, why did you yeah well, <laughs> just yeah you know go home <laughs> fair, <laughs> enough, fair <laughs> enough and then and then i guess conversely was that cars that you had the opportunity to work on but didn't you chose not to or your career went in a different direction you thought i oh, know i really wish i'd worked on um, that thing if i'd have taken on a different way i mean i i've i've always loved aston martins and uh i've i it's one of the companies I've never worked for is Aston Martin, but, um, um, you know, a bunch of friends and, and people I used to work with, um, all whether, uh, one of my friends from college, he's the design boss there now, Miles Nurnberger. And, um, you know, uh, you know, those guys don't think it's over, but I, I, I loved the road cars that I had. And, you know, I think that's probably sometimes, you know, when, 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 when you, when you love a brand like that, maybe, you know, don't, don't meet your heroes kind of thing. Yeah. Well, it's it very difficult for me, um, you know, leaving Lotus, if, if if you like, and 
going working there. That's why I ended up having to. I just lived in their cars for because I because mm. I, I got made redundant from from Lotus in uh, March '98. I think it was. Um, you know, it was when the Malaysian economy went pop, and obviously Malaysia through the power of Proton and uh, Petronas, they they owned uh, Lotus at the time. And that was uh, where the wonderful Proton GTI came from with the Lotus suspension, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> See that collaboration. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I worked. Uh, yeah, worked with the the, the guys on, on that with the, the little rivets around yeah. The, the, yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, 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 kind of there was, there was some. It was actually quite nice protons done at Lotus because Lotus is a design consultancy as well as a, obviously a, a car manufacturer. So we worked on things for uh, all kinds of different people around the way. In fact, um, my my nickname in the uh, vehicle industry, especially around that time, was uh, was Wookie. Not just because I'm tall and hairy, but uh, um, but yeah. Um, so I I literally one day um, I'd, uh, my 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 boss at the time, Julian Thompson, um, he'd uh, he'd sort of come in and he looked at a sketch that we, we didn't work for Honda. Remember the uh, HRV? I think it was Fun yeah. Machine. Yes. Yeah, we, that was Free, done at Lotus. Machine, fun Machine. Something Green like machine, that. Anyway. Yeah, Green Machine. Yeah. Going back a long, long time. When I was and, um, my Julian Julian came in and he was like, like sort of laughing at a sketch and I'm going. And it's, that, that, that's the Wookiee sketch that is. So uh, I, I sort of jokingly, because I'd just finished it, I literally signed it Wookiee with an exclamation mark, an exclamation mark on it. And, and uh, when it when it went up on the, on the on the on the wall, the uh, the, uh, the 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 boss, um, so the, the 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 head honcho. I mean, going back a long time, uh, for for Honda was in, and uh, um, Julian, who is. Probably one of the best presenters that you you know you could ever see when it comes to these kind of things. I think one of the times he's ever struggled uh, was um, when the um, yeah the boss of Honda kind of looked at the sketch and went, "What is a Wookie?" <laughs> and uh, June said, "Well, you know, in Star Wars, there's the really tall walking carpet character. Well, our uh, placement student, our trainee over there, we we think he looks like Chewbacca out of Star Wars, uh, so we we call him we call him Wookie." Which point is this? This is I don't know. Oh, mm, mm. <laughs> American space defense program, <laughs> and then there's like there's a scratch on the record. Like oh. so, about that uh, three quarters of an hour later, after the uh, um, the head of design <laughs> for Lotus explained um, what the Star Wars films were about and <laughs> the character uh, Chewbacca and him <laughs> being a Wookiee. Um, I mean, so I just kept signing my name Wookiee after that. It's just like a bit of good fun. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> Nice. Anyway, <laughs> what yeah. can you do? <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. So, so there's, there's. Um, I was thinking about what you're saying about Aston there, and and obviously Ian yeah. Callum went back and has, has tweaked those VH platform cars, isn't it? Yeah. So, do you think is that? Well, you know, you see, it's it's very much the uh, the V12 one. So he's uh, the first gen uh, Vanquish, which was always good fun back in the the PAGE group um, days where. Um, uh, the uh, Wolfgang Ritzel, uh, a German boss that we we had at the time, in that um, he he used to um, pronounce uh, Vanquish in the German way. I don't know if you're ever um, familiar with that, mm. but he called it uh, Wangfish, and um, <laughs> and that never ever stopped being funny. Um, I, I don't think it's possible to not be funny. But anyway, um, so um, Ian Callum worked on the uh, 
um, the 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 Vanquish G1 car, and he, he now does the the Callum 25. That's right. Which is um, basically everything he wanted to do. That's what I was saying. On that, that's where I was coming. But at the to. time, there was too many people saying you can't do that. Yeah. Or we haven't got money for that. So he's gone. Well, all right then. This time there are half a million quid or whatever a pop, and yeah. um, I'm doing it this way this time. So the, I mean, the the wheel design is exactly the same on those cars, but it's an inch bigger in diameter, and it's a um, it's half an inch further out on the track and an inch wider in J on it, but it looks so it, so it looks exactly the same, but looks better mm. just before you've even started with just refining and tidying up. Yeah, um, all the other bits. So where I was coming to with that was: is there a car design that you would do that too? <laughs> great, great, the great leading. Um, so I am literally about to do that very thing. Um, one of my um, favorite cars ever and you know the, the thing that i always keep coming back to um i've always loved land rover defenders and i've built uh bespoke several in my lifetime and spent the kind of money that you could probably buy grimsby for um <laughs> on, on these things that have spent a fortune and they're still they're still kind of rubbish but faster and rubbish but still rubbish but in a more brilliant way and I kind of thought, well, you know, um, the money that I'm kind of spending doing these things, and there's, you know, I'm, I'm only making them worse, but faster in their worseness. So, um, so that this time around, um, I, I decided to uh, create my own company where I would, I would strive to try and answer the kind of questions that no one's ever asked. So um, I wanted to make something that 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 looked more like a defender than a defender, but had absolutely nothing to do with anything Defender-based or, or JLR. So um, all the cars that we love, you know, our you know, beloved carbon fibre supercars and everything, I basically wanted to make a carbon fibre independent suspension, sort of everything turned up to 11 version of said vehicle, but with no interchangeable parts, but weirdly looks um, in the same way that a Singer Porsche looks more like any Porsche it's more like your dream Porsche than any Porsche that ever existed. So, you know, when you, you know, the real officials go, well, hang on, it's kind of an RSR, but there's a bit of a, you know, Carrera S and, uh, but it's, there isn't any, it isn't comparable in any dimensional spec to anything yeah. that ever existed, but weirdly looks way better than the you ever, mm. it looks more Porsche than Porsche. Mm. So I went to do almost the same thing to my beloved um, Land Rovers, but um, just, go completely nuts with it so um you know our, our vehicle we, we have um in, in williamdale we have um, a couple of mandates we'll never make anything in double figure so we make batches of nine of everything so you, you never get double figures um we 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 will never ever make a vehicle that has less than a thousand horsepower at the wheels there's no really good reason for that in fact most <laughs> of the uh most of the engines that we do actually uh i think we've got north of two thousand horsepower I mean, again, a complete answer to a question that you never asked, and uh, kind of a little bit of a little bit of a carryover from my my Hummer days within GM. But um, um, all William Dale vehicles will have helicopter lifting points on them. Ask me why. Why? That's a really good question. <laughs> um, I always figured that it was better to have helicopter lifting points and not need them than be in the really really uncomfortable position where you find yourself. Um, I need this vehicle to be lifted by helicopter, but there's no lifting points for it. So we, we decided that was a very important issue to address on, um, on our, on our, yeah, our yeah. future yeah. future vehicle lineup. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have done that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah, we're, uh, we, we, you know, we're, 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 we're addressing a lot of very important um, social issues with <laughs> yeah. with this brand, obviously. Yeah. Um, so I think I'm in good company here for for, for future <laughs> updates. Driving dynamics wise, I'm interested to know uh, what 2,000 plus horsepower at the wheels in a Defender feels like because yeah. you know nine like 90 horsepower in the defender oh, on, on, on 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 any on loose ground right is 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 you know one wheel drive uh horror show yeah. so um what's uh what's 2000 well, horsepower my, like is it my, still one wheel drive um my last uh my last defender um was a it was effectively a a, a spectre edition vehicle um, having obviously worked within the team that did the the, the Spectre edition vehicles for for Bond Twenty Four, um, I, I decided that I I needed my own, so they made nine for the film. Harry Harry Metcalf has got one in his garage, Thanks and um, it, yeah. I the the one off SVX badge that that we had in the studio at the time is on the vehicle that he has in his uh, in his right. garage. Yeah, good bloke. Um, but um, I just dis- podcast. Hey, I, I, I'm sure he'd be. I'm sure he'd be well, well up for that. Um, um, but I, I, um, I decided to do uh, my own Spectre vehicle. Um, but um, I felt there was a need. To, you know, it needed to be in. Um, I think it was called. It's a Lamborghini color, Manuel Verde, which is Lamborghini green, which is weirdly the most Land Rover green that you could ever imagine. But it's actually a Lamborghini color. Uh, so I did that, but my my vehicle ran on I think was it thirty I think thirty nine inch tires that were only legal up to fifty five miles an hour, despite the fact that all the Spectre vehicles had one hundred and twenty five horsepower stage three Puma engines I think on oh, no, a no, TD I think it was TD five engines actually, um, the uh, <laughs> I don't think I've ever been more terrified in a vehicle than my <laughs> Land Rover doing going down a hill on on the M one nudging sixty five seventy. I've never known it was just terrifying on on that because the tread moves around so much. It's uh, yeah, the, it's just like oh, it's, it's not good. So on on my my William Dale vehicles, they're on um, a much more competent uh, Raptor uh, tires, which is legally the biggest overall diameter I think of of tire that we can have to still not be classified as a heavy goods vehicle when we go to it. But it's still a very knobbly off roady type thing. So I sort of said to the guys, we, we don't have to spend three months driving this thing around the Nürburgring. Anything on the, on these tires, you know, I mean, they're legal up to 100 miles an hour. But, uh, we, you know, this, this is a vehicle that, you know, has got way, way more horsepower than, than, than grip that you could ever hope to achieve on, a, on an off-road tire. So uh, <laughs> we're kind of like, you asked me what it, what it feels like. Um, I'd say quite possibly the most terrifying thing that you, that you could ever wish for. Um, so so but- some modern cars, they're, they're too good. I want to put it into context. Is it like Bowler Wildcat sort of? Well, a, a Bowler Wildcat is is uh, it's like a it's a pussy cat, really. I mean, I, I did um I did a vehicle <laughs> I did a vehicle called the Milner LRM One. No one will have heard of it. You got to you got to look it up. It's made by a really nice team of people up in Derbyshire, um, Milner Racing. And at the time that we we talked Land Rover into uh, into doing that vehicle, because um, it had a motorsport associations and Land Rover won't have anything to do with motorsport. They don't they don't like that. Um, bowler try and do that but um um i'll come back to that in a second um we 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 sold it on the principle that at the time the the vb1 had come out the victoria beckham special of the evoke and everyone kind of went land rover what on earth are you doing um so we in our team with uh, my boss at the time uh, uh, richard woolley uh, we 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 did our own pitch so we've got to do something that's like the absolute opposite to that 
well, if if that if that's where they think we are in the market at the moment, we've got to be way over here. So we we did a silhouette uh, race car, um, completely. Um, so it was a, a roll cage chassis, uh, and the silhouette body on it was all carbon fiber. Um, it weighed one thousand and I think seventy kilograms, seventy five kilograms, I think something like that. Had a mid mounted. Um, uh, five liter SC in it, so any of the the Jag F type boys um, out there, especially the SVR boys, will be very very happy with that as a noise and a thing. It had a, a blown rear wing, and um, uh, yeah, it was all kind of like clamshells either end. And uh, I think I think when we tested it, it did not to a hundred on any gradient, on any surface, in any weather in less than eight seconds. So this thing was a weapon. It was unbelievably unbelievably fast but um so the first stage that that went on um it was up against bowler wildcats and things like that um so they they do most stages in the british cross-country championship or the european ultimate off-road championship in around about 10 to 11 minutes uh this thing straight out of the box did it in about five minutes so it was like a very <laughs> it's sort of like night and day uh, mm. different so it was a uh, yeah and actually ryan cook the the guy that we we with Defos, he worked in the uh, the paint shop. Well, he still does that. He works in the uh, the paint department at um, Design at Gaiden for uh, for for JLR. Uh, he uh, he's still actually racing that car to stay, so he still hasn't broken it yet. So that means that I'm incompetent as a race car designer because it's massively over engineered. So we could have saved huge amounts of weight on it, I'm sure, and all that kind of stuff. But he still literally races that car to this day. So uh, have a look at Ryan Cook. Yeah. That's good because um I've so uh, yeah we've uh, so in my career I've done three race cars, um two of which so I've done the least successful race car I think of all time that I worked on, which is the Cadillac uh, LMP cars, which I don't think they actually ever finished a race, and I think the <laughs> highest they ever ran was I think fifth, but without a doubt when we were at Le Mans watching them. They were the best looking. Yeah, they looked, uh, bad, but... yeah, they looked yeah, they great, bad. especially at dusk going, you know, <laughs> yeah. through the S's. There, those. I mean, we did concept car, you know, like blade rear lights at the time, yeah. and um, yeah, there was some 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 mooting in the pit lane that maybe if we'd spent less time worrying about doing the best <laughs> rear lights that anyone had ever seen on a race car, and actually maybe um, done a rear diffuser that that didn't that, that well that actually worked, we, we were probably been better off. And then there was the uh, yeah the, uh, the 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 Corvette. Uh, the Corvette race cars, which um, by contrast won every race that they entered, so um, <laughs> two very That's very opposing projects. So uh, and then the uh, the uh, the Milner thing kind of fits in the middle somewhere. It so, was it was great because at the time the, the best sell ever was that if if a kid saw it racing across a field or whatever, they go, oh, "Wow, look at that Vogue! Isn't that amazing? That Land Rover's brilliant." But if it rolled across a field and killed 13 people, um, Land Rover press department, so it was nothing to do with us, it's, it's a Milner LRM. <laughs> We're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, no, it's, I mean, it's really bad, that, isn't it? But um, yeah, um, that was why Land Rover would never get involved in motorsport and still never will because they, they, they don't want any association with negativity mm -hmm. in that respect. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. yeah, although we got away with it once as a loophole, don't expect them ever to do it again. The army's all right, but not motorsport. Then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, the I think right. I think their vehicles are going around. Uh, yeah, been involved with death enough <laughs> yeah. as it is, but, yeah. but but I'm not sure what they're going to do going forward. Um, I don't know. I don't think uh, was it seventy seventy grand or something for a current yeah, defender new, new, starting new defender, on that? Yeah. Maybe mm. that. Yeah, that might be. I, don't, I can't see many going yeah. off. That'd be, that'd be, I think that'd technically be a huge cost saving for yeah. the military. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, we'll see. So, so the the William Dale car yeah. is going to be the like basically insane, <laughs> like aerial nomad. I mean, sort of. The, the weird thing is, um, so Brabinger, uh, which is so that that's the project code. So uh, uh, Brabinger is technically Project Three um, f- for William Dale, but a bit like when George Lucas decided they weren't going to do go into doing sci-fi films, he started with Episode Four, which everyone everyone was watching that. What? Do we? Where, where are the other ones? But at the time, he couldn't. He couldn't do the first three films because he didn't have the technology, the budget, or I guess the the network, if you like, to kind of. He had to start with the one that he knew he could do a good job on. So he started with episode four. Then he thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll go back and do those another day. Um, we're kind of a similar thing with uh, with with William Dale. We're we're starting on uh, project three because it's um, it's it's a it's, it's a relatively simple way of getting the message across of what, what we're trying to be, which is, you know, we're the, I guess, the curators of um, emotive uh, collector pieces, whether they're uh, an unbelievably beautiful um, luxury land yacht, you know, like a proper kind of like Rolls Royce uh, type vehicle or, you know, whether it's boats, helicopters, I don't know, whatever you name it that, that, that we go into, if we, if we do it, you know, we do it like we mean it, and we we will be, I guess, the the company that is the furthest from anything, um, marketing led or uh, the, the the Ministry of No Fun or oh, you can't do that. We we work on the premise that, you know, there are a million reasons why you can't do stuff these days, but if you have one really good reason and you set your stall out, you're going to do it. That's how mountains got climbed. So that's kind of what we're what we're doing, and we're going to make every aspect of it as as much fun as possible. I mean, uh. I think you you've been around to my my gap. You've seen my office. I've have a carpet sample in my office, which is like a like a rug, but it's the the deepest, shaggiest white kind of rug carpet thing. It's like it's like someone's I don't know hacked the back off a polar bear or something and put it on the on the uh, on the floor of my studio. And that's that's a sample because we're going to build our cars in like a like a an old drawing room with a an Inglenut sort of open fireplace. Couple of Chesterfields, port tables, cigars, like we're going to make the most uncar-like environment to build these things in. Because um, when you were a kid and you got like the new Death Star Lego set, or when you're a bit older and when you decided to strip your bike down while the while the girls were away for the for, for the weekend or something like that, you would kind of clear everything out in the lounge and get yourself set up and have your favourite film on, and you'd be like building everything around in this sort of nice. We we want to make that our environment. So although I love McLaren and everything, and I've done several visits to that that facility my my benchmark is to be as un mclaren as possible in the building so rather than being very scientific very clinical very kind of um surgical if you like in the preparation we want basically open fire fine booze cigars and um the most impractical white rug with a with a um like a jack plinth and then the car just basically assembled in front of the customer um well, smoke cigars and you know just nice. enjoys life. Yeah. If there's space for so the we, car we're events, literally to just going to be yeah. to yeah. share with you. We'll come and join yeah. in. Yeah. Sounds good. Absolutely, to say. <laughs> that, that does sound as unmacaron so as possible. There are other people that have tried to make the stuff of dreams. What we do is we focus on the dreams that you had probably when you were like seven, eight, nine, something mm-hmm. like that. So before any any kind of ethics, or health and safety responsibility came into your <laughs> world as a thing. Basically, any before anybody said that you couldn't do something, 
we're working on the dreams that you had then. Yeah. So that, that's what we're going to try and do. Just, just because uh, people out there listening might not understand what we mean when we say on McLaren and what the uh, McLaren Technology Centre is like. So here's two little anecdotes about the MTC for people listening. So the MTC was built by Ron Dennis, who was the CEO of McLaren at the time. Um, and there's a whole history about how he came to be the CEO. But he, at the time the McLaren Technology Centre was built, he was the CEO. And I don't think there is a human being on the planet who's more obsessed with details than Ron Dennis. Mm. And he had the design done by you know, whatever architecture firm did it. And the proportions were all as they are today. But the corridors were all such that the tile he'd chosen would have to be cut because they weren't exactly... He wanted the, the grout gap between the tiles and the floor to be precise. And he didn't want any cut tiles edge to edge. So he had the whole design rescaled so that they wouldn't have to cut the tiles on the floor so that the anywhere in the building. The lines mm -hmm. direct so it's, to the shadow, mm -hmm. doesn't it? Of the exactly wall. that, yeah. Mm -hmm. And the gradient of the floor between the factory and the canteen is such that it, it's 2% it's or something. It's, it's really slight incline. But as you walk back to the factory, it's uphill ever so slightly. So your heart rate is elevated by the time you get back to the factory. So it made it harder to get back to the factory than it was to get to the so cafeteria. So that you were, you were more pumped to get back to work. Yeah, so Ron Dennis wouldn't have gone with shag pile cigars and no, chest exactly. <laughs> no, that's kind of my head. point. The, the, sort of the precision yeah, yeah. is unbelievable. The <laughs> thought, like, what? who thinks oh, I'm going to make the floor tilt 2% so yeah. people have, their heart rate's elevated when they get back to work. There's a couple that's of other fun crazy. things about, about, about that place. Um, um, the... When you when when you look at it on Google Earth for our, our listeners, when you look on, on Google Earth, you'll see that there's kind of all these kind of pods that kind of come out from the main yin and yang part. Okay, so you park, and then you get in a lift, and you go all the way down, and then you go all the way into the middle of the building, and then you come up in another lift, and then you walk all the way back out. And quite often, you end up by the time you've got to the 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 room, the meeting room, the the area of the department, you're at, you quite find that you're looking back down at your car. And it's like as close as it is, is sort of here out the windows for you know for us for us guys. But um, um, you've walked, including seeing two or three different receptionists. You've you've walked for about thirty or 40, 40 minutes. Mm -hmm. and you think that's 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 nuts. And when you actually talk to Ron Dennis, and you're like, what, what you know, from a logistics point of view, this is terrible. Why we've done that? He said it's all the entire concept, the ethos of the site is all about um getting rid of as much dirt and dust off you as a contaminant yeah that's what you're treated as a contaminant if you like coming into this beautiful facility by the time you've actually got to anywhere that's important you've got rid of everything that would be a problem but the other thing that i really loved about it, it's attention detail that all the trees i don't even notice on, on the site next time you guys do it the thing that i look at every single tree or plant has a barcode on it, a mclaren barcode and there is an exact replica of the topography if you like of the mclaren technical center um, I think it's in Norway or Sweden or something like that, but all the orientation and, you know, hills and everything, the same there. And any one of those trees or plants dies, there can be another one flown in or whatever <laughs> and go. replaced. They know exactly <laughs> which one to pick up and put in there. And I was like, really? Are you kidding me? And the reason it was all done like that, um, Ron Dennis is quite the, uh, he's quite proud of his gardens. He's got a, he's got a nice um, three bed semi uh, just on the edge of uh, Woking. <laughs> Um, so it's, you know, it's a, a corner plot, so he's got a little bit of land around it. All, yeah, all of bit. his, um, uh, when I was, when I was down there actually meeting with, with Frank Stephenson, name drop, 
And um, I, when I went, went through and it was showing me all the way they make all the, you know, the, all the carbon bits and everything. And everything, they said, oh, yeah, we're doing this, 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 and uh, um, this is for one of Ron's, um, um, his, his, his hedges and his, his walls and his garden. He's got carbon fiber templates that, that fit in things and then run on runners. And it's for the, the gardeners to get all of the hedges absolutely <laughs> precise. And they're all, they're all carbon fiber. And he's had a building made to store all of these carbon fiber templates and everything in. It's amazing. I mean, you know, put a, put a bit of effort into it, man. Yeah. You know, try, try, you know <laughs> no. if you're going to do something, try and do it right. Yeah. yeah. All of them yeah. are pistons. The really? PC. Yeah, they're, they're, they're all um, like a piston. So they've got a center shaft that goes up and down and you stand on mm. the, on the piston mm -hmm. as it goes up and down in the, in the tube. Yes. It's a completely, it's sort of yeah. like um, something out, you, you could sell that as a bat cave, right? You know, no one would, if you said, well, this is, this is the actual original bat cave. People would believe you because it's just such a crazy yeah. building, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, what yeah. an amazing thing. So, yeah. So, if you're like one over that, then I can't no, wait no, to you visit can't, the Woody Bale factory. <laughs> you can't compete with that. I, I don't mean I just like slapdash. I mean like it's but the exact opposite in 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 ethos. That's going to be an amazing place to go around. No, one of the things I wanted to do. Um, I've so um, the JRM twenty three mm -hmm. uh, when that when that comes out um, uh, sort of early next year, it'll either be that or Brabinger that will be my sixtieth sixtieth vehicle. That um sort of blank sheet of sheet of paper build on if you like so um prototype concept vehicle halo product one off small batch whatever you want to call it um uh, and what I what I what I wanted to do if if you like on on this thing what we were really trying to what we were really trying to do on it was um actually I don't know I, I wanted to be in the I wanted to be building concept cars for the road. Is what I was trying to do. So it's it's um it's the journey that is sometimes better than the destination. And what we're trying to do um so in these sixty cars that uh coming up sixty one that 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 will have will have will have done, um you find that it's in the last few days of the build that suddenly vice presidents and CEOs and you know all kinds of you know dignitaries suddenly despite whatever their calendar has got them, what they're supposed to be in the, the last few years, when things are starting to come together, this thing's starting to make, you know, become something. These are suddenly people that, um, that will sit on, I don't know, an old, you know, sort of, you know, sort of paint tin or something like that, or in an old, you know, box in a corner thing and just like literally watching it. Or they'll, they'll suddenly start, you'll give them a job to do that. You know, you'll have like the, the president of a company, you know, like, like with, um, you know, polishing the inside of lenses before they get, mounted on you know it, everyone kind of like like comes together and there's a real sort of sense of camaraderie and it's a great leveler if you like of uh people positions and there's just this i don't know this is sort of I don't know, this in in, in a sort of pride in in wanting to this thing to you know grow up into something really really beautiful and and, and brilliant if you like so what i want to do for my customers is i want i want them to have that that part of the journey so the last few days or last day or something of the build on on any any of the Brabingers or, or any of the Williamdale vehicles that will do. We kind of want that, but I think just to add a little bit of like extra, just from my experience, to make it even better. I think everything in this world is better with a cigar and a nice a nice a nice glass of something. I, I can't. I mean, ask Frank about that. He's a <laughs> he's quite the aficionado on his, his cigars and everything. But uh, just everything's better with a cigar. I think Fair you know. Enough. So. Why not? Why not have the, the, the build of your car coming coming to fruition? And also as well, uh when we when we get that up in uh 
North York, Cestershire. Um, we got some of the the best shakedown roads that you could ever wish for 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 a vehicle like that. Yeah. And yeah. Obviously, I have to get you guys out on a yeah, run I'll as well. Out on a run. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have to be a run. in. But you know, it's just it's just like the perfect environment, you know, to to do that. And you know, in my experience, I don't, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever felt greater admiration or uh, I don't know enjoyment from strangers than a really well sorted defender. That you've got the keys for that you've parked at a, a um, Middleton <laughs> petrol station or something, and yeah, God, it used to take me. It was about a twenty-minute job to fill up my, my my local petrol station with you know when I, when I had a Davina, my last defender. You know they they've got a real uh, warmth and love for that that kind of thing up there. So it's definitely got to be the home of uh, of um, you know, William Dell and the the Brabinger program. So can people? buy one today or is it expressions of interest or have they all sold or? Uh, i think technically at the moment as we're we're literally about to we're about to press go on this thing so i'm not sure when this actually goes out but we we should we should be up and running uh by then but um i think i think our first batch of vehicles are actually all all sold or already so there's only nine mm -hmm. on the on the on the first batch which is um um so they, they have like a collection name so the the first batch is um, Two Face after the Batman uh, villain because um, the vehicles are because they're in well carbon fiber. Um, half the car is effectively you know pure carbon, so it's dry carbon on it, but high gloss. And then we've got like a generative um, uh, sort of paint pattern that kind of I don't know sort of fizzles out towards center line if you like. And so from from one side the cars you know a color, <laughs> but then from the other side it's it's kind of raw carbon. But there's kind of like a real yin yang to what's carbon fiber on the color side becomes color on the carbon side and stuff. So, um, yeah. So our, our first batch, I, I, I'd have to check. I mean, but uh, I think we might actually them, But we will be doing other versions of. So the first vehicle that comes out is effectively a a a double cab pickup, but um, but a very extreme one. So, uh, um, but there there'll be other versions that we do. But then there'll also be other other vehicles that come out. But we we do we do kind of batches, but each batch the the customer vehicle would be essentially bespoke in that. I mean, right. you know, mm -hmm. we're 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 not a company that that sucks air through its teeth when someone goes, "Oh, but can I have this?" You know, unless we're challenging Newtonian physics or Einsteinian sort of principles of a, uh, I guess, gravity and understanding of light and everything. Unless we're not challenging any of that kind of um, astrophysics stuff. Um, anything is possible. I'll have rocket launches behind my headlights, please. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it can be done. It, it's, yeah. it's probably yeah. for the export market. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, can, we do that? That. can we do that after the the uh, the SVA? There is, <laughs> yeah. there is probably one of those builds at SEMA. Yeah, probably. Probably. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, surely everyone has to come with yeah. a box of cigars in the glove box. And a slogan that says everything's better with a cigar. I yeah, hope mine does that. when I buy one of you anyway. It's quite um, are the, uh, I know on the um, uh, on the driver's seat there's um, there's a there's a there's a kind of like an embossed mark on the on the driver's seat that says this way up. So uh, it's important to keep <laughs> that correct. <laughs> so, nice. Yeah. And um, if I were all that general, do you remember the Hacienda yes. uh, nightclub? Never uh, went there. Yeah, but, Fact yeah, Fifty One or whatever it was. Yeah. Well, the first night for the, um, I guess the um, the hacienda, there was a there was a, um, a poster with all the yellow and danger stripes and everything, saying use hearing protection and all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, the exhausts on um, it's switchable, switchable system. So there is a silent running mode, 
but none of our listeners care about that. Um, <laughs> the exhausts are actually um, almost like a manifold that, that goes forward on the engine, hugs the engine, then comes back and then comes out um, behind the, the front wheels, but high up in the, in the, in the, in the wing panel. It's got a, mm-hmm. like a titanium, uh, printed titanium, uh, sort of generative sort of vent feature there with the exhaust that kind of come out. And then we've got, we've got um, the, a nod to the beloved Hacienda. We've got the use hearing protection because I, I defy anything to be louder than a 11.7 litre uh, supercharged <laughs> um, ultra long stroke V8. So um, yeah, um, cyclists to be warned. Yeah, definitely. As every, every time we go up on Blakey Ridge, we'll, we'll not yeah, uh, listen be, out for it. It should be fairly brutal. There is a yeah. switchable system that, that then sort of taps that off and then sends it down. It's kind of hidden inside the chassis and it's got some hidden in exits on it but uh, mm-hmm. we try and discourage our customers from ever using that yeah so, um yeah yeah we'll we'll hide that's the, uh, that's we'll the only button that'll be touch that. screen yeah. <laughs> <laughs> buried in the menu somewhere yeah yeah, yeah 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 um there's something i wanted wanted to touch on um which is the fact that you've done uh, uh, an astonishing number of miles in your 720s by using it as a daily driver so i know this is a bit of a, a switching gear from cars that probably gonna get hardly used to cars that people think can't be used but you're using them in the, the, the to the best way possible and those who listen to the podcast know that i'm a massive advocate for driving your cars you know i did twenty thousand miles in my mclaren and people were shocked you know there's people yeah. who've owned ferraris for 20 years that have done five thousand miles in them or ten thousand miles in them you know averaging less than a thousand miles a year and you're doing 10,000 plus miles a year in your, in your, yeah, this, uh, so my car's now, uh, what am I, I think I'm 17 days overdue on my service. So it's going in, in December for its service, but, um, I've done, I think it's, it's like 18 and a half thousand odd miles, maybe just under 19,000 so far. So by the time it goes in for service, although I've gone slightly, it will have done uh, 20, but it's already had, um, a service in the yeah. 10,000 mark. But, um, I've got to be honest, I, I, you know, people say, oh, yeah, but McLarens, are they reliable? Um, the one thing I've learned in my car history, if you keep your car in a temperature-controlled environment for high days and holidays, stuff goes wrong. If you use them every day, nothing goes wrong. And, and, and all of these, these sort of supercars and everything, they're all made of the same cheese. And um, um, I learned it a lot of years ago. I, when, I, um, when I was using uh, Lotuses, um, I, they were everyday cars, you know, everyday. But then when I when I moved into into Aston's and then started having like daily drive things and I started keeping things in as you, as you got older and your garages got bigger and stuff like that, they got tiled floors and you know they were insulated and heated and all this and everything everything got nice. So then cars got become a cocoon to protect it. Uh, when I kept Aston's in in garages for high days and holidays, I had everything in the world go wrong. Yeah. And um, so I've always had a mandate after that that I don't park anything in a garage and I don't, um, I don't leave it for days on end. In fact, I think, um, on a, on a McLaren, you usually, um, it's 45 days that a battery, a dry battery yeah. lasts for. I think the lowest I've ever seen that go down to is, uh, I think, I think 17 days, um, left So, you know, obviously I'm using it way more than yeah. that, but, um, yeah, just literally, um, there was a, was it on, on Blackadder, um, was it Lord Flashheart said, uh, treat you treat your woman like you treat your kite, get inside her five times a day and take her to heaven and back. <laughs> and um, um, probably UK slogan. <laughs> the less PC version. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's possible, but um, 
there's, there's something there's something in that you know yeah, you know th 100%. these things should be should be used and i think you know you know like for someone like you know frank who we keep drawing back to who's you know you know designed quite a lot of these uh you know like you know i've been designed something like a p1 and know that the average customer does uh 300 miles a year probably at the absolute maximum in something like crime. that it's, you know should... i just it's you know we you know the world is changing we were talking about electric cars and everything and i'm i'm all up for that i've um in the world of williamdale we are doing electric cars um so on our ice product it's a thousand horsepower minimum at wheels for anything we're doing that it's two thousand for the ev versions so you know we're embracing that we're mm. well up for that and that's great but um it's it, it it's 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 not comparable um it's different it's it's got good things about it but um you know we're 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 at a transition time and we're all you know so passionate about our our vehicles and yeah. stuff you know time is short you know we're not we're not going to be driving around in combustion engine cars for for much longer so i'm you know i'm you know i'm 50 in 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 march and uh i don't know i'm i'm sort of um i'm now i'm now taking uh i'm now taking pennies back out the bucket so you know, you don't know how long you've got, do you? So you've got to, you've got to enjoy it. I mean, that, that's yeah. coming up so many times that people scared to use their cars. Yeah. I think some marks, Ferrari, probably the worst or one of the worst. Um, and the sort of, you know, where where human beings can own these things. You know, there's obviously like Pagani and whatever, the real stratospheric stuff. And, and those cars, they're, they're probably not built to be driven as such. You know, I doubt Horatio Pagani has usability at the forefront of his mind when he's designing the, you know. If you say that, but, but um, Horatio uses, um, a, a, you know, Pagini every day. Yeah. You know, yeah, they're an AMG a, block, aren't they? They are, yeah, they yeah. are custom, but, but you know, the, 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 and there are, there are reasons why you know, no one's commuting in a Huayra, right? But, but if you've got, you know, I, I know someone used to commute to work every day in Canary Wharf in an F40, right? The, yeah. That's what you should be doing. You know, they're not museum pieces. Did, they don't live. Did well anyone ever, means. ever, like, ask him where it where it all went wrong? He he, uh, <laughs> he, he sold it, and that's where it went wrong for him. Yeah. He sold it for less than four hundred k, because that's what they were worth at the time. Uh, but he, and but he yeah. wishes he hadn't now. <laughs> well, yeah, but then that, no one's got a crystal ball. But the thing is, you, the way you, I'm sure. Um, he looks at it as he's had the use out of it. You know, he mm. he's driven. You, you, someone could have bought, whoever bought that off him could have parked it in their car collection and never turned a wheel again. Yeah. And he's had so much more enjoyment, potentially. More, I mean, some people just enjoy looking at things, but as a car person, someone who's really a petrol head, yeah. whatever, um, you know, using that, doing however many miles, you know, is uh, it, it's what it's about. There's a, there's a member who's got fantastic car history uh in, in the club and he had a, a pista ferrari pista okay and he sold his on seven thousand miles and people were wincing that he put that many miles on the car you know dealers were like oh my god <laughs> and it's exactly that yeah. it's like what no you should people, you know fifty thousand miles on a pista should be celebrated not not wincing at oh you've got the highest yeah. mileage you know pista in the country at seven on seven thousand seven thousand miles ridiculous um absolutely right though isn't it you always <laughs> remember the cars that you sold too early well, you'd be, yeah. they're the ones that you never got the use of. But you remember you the cars that you've driven. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, did, have, have the experiences, have the adventures. Use them for dri driving to a pint of milk. Mm. Look, I still remember most of the 3,000 miles I did in that 720S I had for a bit. Mm. 
you know they were brilliant because it's just a cracking machine mm. you know and, and I, so i did three thousand miles on that 720s in what three months right that's more some people have owned listen to this will have owned a 720s for more than a year and won't have dri driven anything like 3,000 miles in. And it's a crime. Get out and drive the things. Use them. Yeah, and I, I, I couldn't. It's so refreshing to hear someone's using a 720S as a daily driver. Mm -hmm. there's, there's, there's a great thread on piston and heads. if you lock the rear spoiler in the up position, you can fit two Christmas trees between the... <laughs> And you just have one strap that goes around between the dihedral doors and stuff. You can you can bring you you can bring your Christmas tree home from Sinnington back to Hazelby where I live. I mean, I've got a great name for the Williamdale next range, if you like. We'll call it the Ebwack. Go on. Everything's better with a cigar. Oh, genius! Don't don't joke about that stuff, but because it it really it it does it does stay. I was thinking about it with with F forties. Um, there's um in um in the Midlands, a place where I used to get my um Astons sort of from and service everything. Probably the, probably the best uh I don't know car dealership that I've I've ever uh, been involved with. Really, um, uh, McGurk Sports Cars. Um, John McGurk, the guy that owns it, he has a Ferrari F forty and a Lotus Cortina and an Escort Cosworth, and he if he's not using one. He's using the other. He uses them all the time, and uh, mm -hmm. you know he, he's Great. he's. It was actually I think it was actually John that actually said to me, um, "You are better off using the because at the time I was I, I, when I was in the main dealer network, uh, which was an awful place to be with with the world of Aston Martin. I then um, I left that and I started buying uh, secondhand cars from from uh, McGurk's. And he just said, use them, just just because he knew about all the problems I'd had. He just said, just use them. So the, the, when they design and develop these things, they do not, no one ever um, factors in them being sat for months on end not doing anything. They, they test them to, to make them really good at what they do and last, you know, under extreme conditions and, and usage. No one tests for redundancy. Yeah. It, it, mm -hmm. It's the one thing that, that always sort of sneaks through in, 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 in the, the world of car production. That there's a thread on Piston yeah. Heads called What Have You Done With Your V12 Ferrari Today? Something like that. It's r roughly called that. Right. And there's pictures in there of people taking their FFs to the tip, you know, fully loaded up with rubbish, and then yeah. they go into the local... Actually, I had an Aston break down at the tip. <laughs> it got locked in reverse gear. I had to get a service truck out to recover it from <laughs> from, from the tip. And actually, um, they pulled it down online, but I was one of the first people to get a repeat. And um, I, in fact, I'll, I'll prove it now if because you know one of me. But I, I got a fourteen foot tree in because it's a, obviously a tailgate on that. I got a fourteen foot tree in the um, <laughs> all the way through the end, and I took that down to the tip in a, in a repeat. And I had the twenty fourth repeat, I think, that had been built or something at the time. So um, yeah, um, it's one for your for your blog page or something like that. Better than the next time because Aston Martin had it because um, somebody else put it up and they, they, they had it taken down. Can pay Google evidently to take images down. Yeah. So uh, perhaps that's a you know, podcast in the future. Which floor or fauna have you had in your vehicle? <laughs> yeah, it's just it's a brilliant fauna fauna. <laughs> it's, it's it's a brilliant. You, you use use that's using cars. It's going shut down. <laughs> you, you use your cars is the is the spirit spirit of the thing there, and you know, yeah. hats off to you for, for for using it so you know well. I suppose you know <laughs> go, going for it and, and and using it. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's probably. Um, probably all we've got time for today, but um, I'm going to put you on the spot because I know we haven't prepped this. Um, we generally ask our audience a question, a question, so our guests get to ask our audience a, a question, um, and then they can reply in the comments or however they okay. engage with the, the podcast. So 
do you have a question for our our audience something that might start a conversation or whatever it's completely up to up to you i don't know i think actually i think you you had the perfect one there um what was it you know your... which which flora or fauna because <laughs> <laughs> um um my my dad uh, is here today. Uh, we, we, in Austin, the, the Gruer family, we've got a, an RS6. And um, I think I might hold the record for the most bags of topsoil that I think there's ever been in, a, <laughs> in, a, in, a, in, a, in an RS6. But we had a brilliant traction. And <laughs> if, you, if you go to um, home base in Daventry, I think I still hold the record there for the most bags of topsoil in an Aston Martin V12 Vantage, which was 15. Which was so uh, not bad going on that. Then, uh, so I would say to so if, um, to the to the listeners out there, what what's what's the most berserk thing you've ever yeah. uh, transported in your beloved um, uh, beloved excluding car? dead bodies? No dead bodies. Yeah. yeah. Well, Probably, you know, we've got, we've got, we've got a Mustang owner here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. There's, there's true. A, there's a yeah. Not allowed to comment. And I think yeah. it's Camaros as well. You know, yeah. Yeah. The, the, the you mean you uh, transport other things other than bodies? Yeah. I've got an Alpine okay. now, so it's just onions and garlic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, well. So yeah, um, I'd be it'd be great in the comments to um, see yeah. some pictures of mad stuff. And I'll I don't know, you guys have to do the tech for me, but I'll 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 put pictures of uh, some of my daft stuff that I've I've <laughs> put and carried in cars. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Fair, fair, sounds good. Amazing. Right. Well, thank you very much for my coming pleasure. on. Thanks, Matt, for giving us the <laughs> the SEMA update, and thanks to you guys for for listening. Um, We'll see you on the next one. Good luck with car events. Thank you. Looking for your next car event, club, or venue? Find it with caravents.com. Discover thousands of upcoming events, car clubs, and car venues on the world's biggest car events platform. Search by location and radius, favorite your events, buy event tickets with ease, and follow your favorite clubs and venues to be the first to hear about their upcoming events. For event organizers, you can list events, clubs, and venues free of charge, sell tickets directly in the app, and track the performance of your event. Available online and in your app store. Just search Car Events.